Hello and welcome to this Urban Mitchell podcast. We're here to keep you up to date with legal and financial news that matters to you. My name is Zara Babani and I'm a partner here at Urban Mitchell. And today we're going to be taking a look at the intricacies of the mediation process following our recent survey with YouGov. And more specifically, we're going to be deep diving into how you prepare for mediation, the impact mediation can have on children, and also where it fits with financial arrangements. I'm joined today by Anna Chenoweth and Vadna Sharma from our family law team, and also our internal mediator, Joanna Gosling. Throughout the podcast, they'll be providing their advice for making the most of the mediation process. So thank you all for joining me. Joanna, let's start with you. You've recently changed careers to be able to work in mediation, which is a really big step. So what's drawn you to that and why why is mediation important to you? Thank you, Zara. Well, it's it's a long story um, in terms of what led me to mediation. I'd say it goes right back to the beginning of my career as a journalist when it was always right from the start, the stories um, where people would find themselves stuck in a conflict. Something had happened in their lives, trying to resolve it, not being heard. And they end up talking to a journalist like me when they're at the limits of their frustration and they just want to be heard. So those, I, you know, I had many, many of those over the, the course of my career. And I always found that a frustrating thing in that you're you're helping them to have that platform to speak. But, you're, but, but in the end, they go off, they continue and they're stuck in that situation. So that was one thing. I also had my own personal experience of conflict. I got divorced myself. I also had um, an issue in my workplace. It was an employment status issue that affected not just me, but many, many others. And that was a very, very difficult time. And then additionally, as a journalist, I was finding that there is the the cancel culture that is in our society currently. it's, It's everywhere. It's difficult to have what become very difficult conversations where you know one person wants to be heard but isn't prepared to listen to the other so so how to have those difficult conversations was was something that was sort of playing on my my mind a lot uh, in editorial terms as a journalist and then one day a friend said to me a friend of hers was getting divorced could i give some advice and i thought well i'm not an expert and it was like a penny drop moment and i just thought i could train as a mediator i'd like to be the person that i wished had been there for me um through through those difficult times and it's it's really the thing that motivates me every day doing this work which is the thought of supporting people through conflict helping them to get through it as as quickly as is possible so that all of the time, the energy, the money that gets spent when you're stuck in that dynamic can be used going forward for people to to, to have the life that they want uh, in a more productive way. And it's really interesting, isn't it, Joanna, you're talking about people being heard. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like it's, it gives them control as well, doesn't it, of their own yeah. affairs and their own life and their own family and the way forward mm-hmm. they want to move? Is that what yes. you, you, you see happening? I do. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. Uh, Mediation is about being able to take control, take ownership of your situation. And and when people are in a very difficult situation, they, as you say, they want to be heard. And the sort of the traditional way that we go about that is uh, is through um, an oppositional process, setting out the facts, 
proving the other person wrong. Um, and that can be quite a tempting way. You you feel like you're you're going to potentially get what you want, but obviously it's an all or nothing potentially. Whereas with, with mediation, uh, a mediator I know once said to me, and I think it's a great thing, it's the conversation we should have had a long time ago. And I think that that's is- exactly... It's great, isn't it? That's powerful, that's, Joanna. That's it really, is really powerful, particularly when you've yeah. got kids. I think, particularly when you've got kids, you know, you, everybody says they prioritise their children, but sometimes, mm. sometimes wrongly. Um, obviously, we try and steer away from that. The, the, the kids get used as pawns, but actually, mm. if you could really think about it and go in, you could potentially have a really amicable solution where it feels a bit lighter and a bit better for everyone involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that phrase, I mean, used as pawns, I think often unwittingly or people seem to think that the children aren't actually aware of what's going on. You'll often say in a mediation, you know, have you told the children? Are they aware? No, they don't know anything at the moment. And you're thinking, well, they do because they read everything that's going on around them. They'll be hearing stuff you're not aware of um, and understanding the impact of of absolutely everything that goes on and, and and the longer term impact of the decisions that are taken and how they'll see those and read them. It, it's, it's fundamental. And that's a, a really important part of mediation, which is, you know, I see my job as the mediator to sort of they're the parents. They care the most about their children. But when they're in that dialogue, it can sometimes be forgotten. As the mediator, you're constantly wanting to to steer things back to that just so that they yeah. they remain centre of everything. Thank you. Anna, let me bring you in here. You know, we're talking about mediation being essentially such a powerful tool. However, our YouGov research shows that only 14% of people surveyed actually used mediation, which I think is a really low take up. So you, Anna, as a family lawyer, do you find yourself recommending mediation more these days? Are people using it more or is that really reflective? And how do you, from your point of view as a lawyer, prepare people for the mediation process? Thank you, Zara. I mean, absolutely, 14% of people is incredibly low um, and and much lower than the number of people who could benefit from it, to put it frankly. Um, the, the, The benefits to mediation are absolutely clear and really it needs to be considered in every case. Having said that, of course, we have to accept that there are cases perhaps where there's extreme conflict or some serious power imbalance where it's not going to be appropriate. But those cases really are in the minority. And for the majority of cases, mediation can be really, really beneficial. So certainly I recommend it regularly and whenever it, it might be suitable. Did you recommend it in every case that crosses your desk, apart from those exceptions that you mentioned? Yes, yes, I would. As I say, that there are exceptions, obviously, but they are in the minority. And so wh- whenever it might be suitable, I do recommend it. And, and the reasons for that are the really clear benefits. As um, you know, yourself and Joanna have already touched on, it facilitates dialogue and improves communication. And that's vital when you need to have a, a maintain a relationship going forward, you know, particularly where there's children involved. Um, and it can also allow you to set your own agenda and to decide what needs to be covered. And that feeling of having set the agenda means that you have more control over what happens and you're more invested in the outcome of mediation. And and that often leads to people feeling happier with the outcome that they receive at mediation, perhaps happier than they would be through a court process where if you go all the way to a final hearing, you'll have an order imposed on you. Whereas in mediation, you've played a really active role, a central role in making that decision and deciding what's best for you. And just to be more creative, can't you, in mediation? You can kind of step outside the box a little bit and do it differently in your way. You might achieve something that the court might not do. Is that right? 
Yes, certainly. So mediation is a private confidential process. Uh, nothing that's discussed there will be shared with anyone other than with your legal advisors if you have them outside of that mediation process. And for the purpose of discussing finances, the discussions that you have are without prejudice. That means that they can't be raised at a later stage if an agreement isn't reached in mediation. And the knowledge and the security that that brings means that people involved in mediation are often more willing to come up, as you say, with creative ways of resolving things that they might be reluctant to do if they were in court proceedings and they were worried about where it might lead to or what a court might do or how the other side might rely on that information. So it can be a way of, of sorting things out and saying, well, have we thought about this? Let's think about this. Let's see if that would work and putting things on the table that you might not otherwise do. And also you said that, you know, they 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 will be shared, information will be shared with their lawyer if they have one. Do you need a lawyer if you're doing mediation? Why do you need a lawyer then? You don't have to have a lawyer. There is no requirement for you to have a lawyer, but it would be sensible for you to have a lawyer. And the reason for that is that you need to understand the parameters of, of what you are discussing and the negotiations that you're having. So the decisions that you reach needs to be fair and it needs to be in accordance with an order that a court would make. And so part of the reason for that is when you come to an agreement and you come to prepare a consent order, the court you know, will not just rubber stamp that. A judge will look at it and consider whether it is fair and reasonable in all the circumstances. And it's really important that you have your own advice, partly to have a sounding board of someone else who's who's not in the mediation process to sort of talk through your negotiations and the proposals that are being made, and also to make sure that it is fair in terms of what the family court would deem to be fair. No, absolutely. And I think having somebody by your side, it's kind of like team client, isn't it? So that you're, you're you're in it together so that if they've got any queries or concerns or questions that they don't feel comfortable asking in mediation or challenges that they haven't addressed, at least they can address them with you. Yes, certainly. Having somebody there on your side, on your team, and also somebody who isn't emotionally invested in the situation in the way that friends and family might be. It's absolutely vital. And how do you prepare people for the process then, Anna, yourself, when you've got a client who comes to you and says, I'm going to mediation? How do you support them in the background? What do you actually do? Well, what I always do, because it's absolutely essential that you feel prepared and ready to go into mediation. So I sit down with the client and talk them through what's going to happen. And what I say to them is, you need to think now about what it is that you want to achieve through this mediation process. Clients often find that writing down what it is that they want to achieve helps, maybe in a bullet point form, and they can take it with them uh, so that, that those points don't get overlooked or forgotten about. There's other things that might seem really simple and obvious, but when you make your mediation appointment, make sure that you leave plenty of time to get there and that you have yeah. some time ring fence before and afterwards so that you're not turning up all flustered and stressed and worried about it. And it, it seems like such a simple thing, but it's really important. And the other thing which I think is vital is that you need to go into mediation and the discussions that you have there being ready to listen because mediation is all about listening. And that's not an easy thing to do, especially when you have personal feelings about the person on the other side of the table or in the other room. But if you're going to get the most out of mediation, you really have to be prepared to listen yeah. and to consider all the proposals. Absolutely. And I always think going in and ma making sure the first thing you say is a positive comment, find a positive comment. You were once with this person and you had these children together forever and a day and you're going to continue to have them. Find some common positive ground that you can start the conversation on. I always think that can work really well. Thank you for that, Anna. That's very helpful. Vanda, let me bring you in here now. So 
we've heard from Anna and Joanna about this important tool of mediation, but let's really dig down on the impact it can have on families, particularly when children are involved, you know, they're the priority. When we looked at the YouGov survey, 47% of the people we surveyed said that the impact of their children was their biggest concern. Um, a high a high stat, of course, that's what we'd expect. So, Vanna, when you're, you've got clients coming to you, what are the most problem problem common problems they're coming to you to talk about what is it that really is that they're kind of butting heads on and where 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 are the problems that you're seeing that need to be unlocked yeah thank you zara yeah so it is a real issue when it comes to dealing with families and the children are always not only the court's paramount consideration but also families um, and so where appropriate, child inclusive mediation is a really useful tool to be able to help understand those views. And as Zoran mentioned earlier, actually being able to use a mediation as a tool helps to provide those families with some autonomy. So it takes away the litigation risk so that you're actually able to make a decision that works best for your family without the overview of a judge who doesn't know anything about the dynamics of how your family household works. So the kind of things that we come across really often is things like where a child is going to live, um, how who they're going to live with, not just um, in the household, but outside of the household. So they're, they're going to go relocate to another area. Also, how often they see the other parent. Also, we can look into holiday arrangements and other any sort of specific issues that a particular family are dealing with. Financial matters is also an issue that ties, that ties in with children also. I imagine festivals, holidays, but birthdays, festivals, you know, whether it be a parent holiday or a child's holiday, I think those things can really be make people quite anxious. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's why those specific issues that we can deal with, that we can really dig down, we can really understand everyone's viewpoint in throughout the mediation process is a really powerful tool. Yeah. And um, Joanna, bringing you back in here, you know, child inclusive mediation. Do we really want the kids going to mediation? Well, the way that the process works is that they're not in the mediation with their parents. It's a very sort of protected and separate situation. So the mediator uh, would talk separately with the children and question them in a very gentle way. Sure. But it gives them the opportunity to be able to say, perhaps something that they've just not said to their parents. You know, often one of the problems is that children feel stuck in the middle and they'll not want to say something to one parent that will upset will upset them, make them think that they don't want to be with them. So it's it's their opportunity really to to just be straightforward about where they are or just to say, I, I actually want the, my parents to work this out. You know, whatever it is, wherever they are, whatever's going on you know sometimes obviously they, they might be feeling like going between the houses is is a burden that they don't want and they might say I don't want that I don't know what the answer is but I don't know but it just it it provides pointers and the mediator doesn't go back and just sort of say right <laughs> this is exactly what your children have said um, and this is you know you need to listen to this now it's just it's just a, a gentle way of getting their voices heard and just being able to also I you know I think it empowers them Yes, they, I think so. They, they do then have that voice because so much of this obviously is is it's about them. It's about Absolutely. their future too, and they've they've not made the choice here to be in this situation, and they lose that sense of autonomy. So it it just gives them a bit of of feeling like they're part of it. But it is important, obviously, to also say you know just because this is where you are, it doesn't mean this is what's going to happen. 
because it's part of a, a process. And it stops the kids being used as pawns, I think. They get the voice. People still have control and everybody mm. can be a part of the destiny and the future and the solution because it mm. is all about solutions, isn't it? Everybody's having a really difficult time and we need to find a solution and a way forward. Um, so and, and everyone, sorry, Zara, I mean, everybody yeah. is, is afraid in this situation. You know, the children yeah. are feeling uncertain. The parents are worried. You're talking there, obviously, about birthdays, Christmas, special occasions, those moments when, you know, no parent can likes the thought finds it extremely difficult the thought of not being with their child on those those occasions worrying that they'll lose the children that they'll lose their role and it, it's really important to reassure the parents and, and you know the children can be reassured also those parents will always 100 percent be parents to those children but what's being done though the discussions are centered around the fact that things are going to be different it's not easy there's no easy answer but there's a way of finding a way through so that it's, you know, a, a new normal that will hopefully work for, for everybody. And I know we spoke earlier, Joanna, and we said, you know, often people say, well, the children don't really know, but they know what's mm. going on. They do mm. sense that feeling. Mm. And obviously, we're not saying that children should be involved on every occasion, but there mm. might be certain occasions where they will benefit as much as the parents in having a voice. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's very useful to think about, isn't it? Because I don't think any, everybody thinks about having the kids as part of the process. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. Anna, coming back to you. So going back to our research with YouGov, 51% of divorcees said that money was their biggest fear through the process. Do you think that rings true with the clients that you're speaking to? And what what are the worries they approach you with? And what reassurances do you give them? Well, certainly it does ring true. Separating out the family finances, particularly when they might have been intertwined for many, many, many years, is going to be daunting. So much will depend on the individual circumstances of each couple that, that comes across, you know, that, that comes to us. But many people are worried about big picture issues, such as uh, whether they will be able to stay in their home what will happen to pension interests or whether they have any claim against the other person's pension interests and also issues such as uh, whether they'll be able to keep the assets that they might have gained before the marriage or that they might have built up after the marriage ended and what I will say in relation to all of that is getting advice from a family lawyer early on means that you can get reassurances about those issues and, and many other issues which arise. And you can understand where you stand. Um, and that gives you a really good platform then to move forward and to know where you stand and to know what the outcome and what the future might look like. That's really helpful. I mean, I think, you know, it's clear, isn't it, from this survey children and financial security were up there as two really top issues understandably for everybody I mean on your day-to-day -day life when you're happily married those are the things that matter to you so when that breaks down of course it's going to be ex massively exacerbated thank you for that so Vanna when things don't go quite in the client's favour when it comes to a financial agreement if they're not they think oh that wasn't I don't feel comfortable with that that's not the way I expected things to go and actually it doesn't feel right or look look right or things have changed what options do the clients have then? Yeah absolutely so thanks Sarah so if they are in the process of still going through the discussions with the other side then mediation is the good way forward because then they can actually go to a mediator try and air out those issues that they've got between each other Obviously, the court's paramount consideration is going to be trying to achieve a fair solution for everybody. And in, in, to enable them to do that, entering into complete disclosure is 
a key way of doing that so they can ensure that a fair solution can be reached. It also helps the families be able to reach that decision amicably without that litigation risk that I mentioned earlier. Obviously, it's really tricky when you aren't sure, but actually speaking to a mediator, speaking to your family lawyer, getting that advice, getting that reassurance as to how is this going to look for me in the future is really, really key. Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, the court, like you were talking about litigation risk, the court process is tricky. It's a very intense, expensive, difficult environment to be in. And, you know, like Anna, when you were talking about preparing people for mediation, you could be in a more comfortable environment, dressed more comfortably as opposed to formally for court. And you can really, if you can be more comfortable and be more relaxed, and I would hope that then you could spend more time talking about things that matter and focusing on the things and bridging those gaps so that hopefully... I would just, you... sorry to go go, on, interrupt, Zara, but I was going to come in there actually and say, I think partly also it, it's definitely a gentler process mediation, but it's also quite intimidating for people where they feel like they're going to be worried that they can't speak directly to their partner in a way that really articulates where they are. And I think that's that can often be why, um, you know, out of frustration, right, I'm going to court, you know, it's like it's easier yeah. to hand over to the lawyers who can have those conversations on their behalf. And that that's a, an important part of the role of the mediator is to support those conversations. So I just really wanted to just come in there just to kind of put that reassurance. Yeah. And Joanna, do you think that, you know, are we seeing more and more mediation online or is it more in person? And because some people might feel less intimidated by online. Some people might feel more comfortable in person. Which way are you seeing it go? Yeah, it's a good question because it can actually be a really good thing where people don't want to be in the room together. And obviously the way that we work now has changed and and it's and it's definitely a plus that's that's come from that. It's mixed in my experience. Um, I mean, I, you know, there's always that sense that it's going to be better in person, but that's not necessarily always true. And particularly, as you say, where people don't want to be together and you can have, you know, they're, they're in their own home. So they're already that just feels much more comfortable. You can where a situation is is really difficult and they really don't want to speak directly. You can even do shuttle mediation where the mediator is going between, you know, they, they don't even talk directly to each other. That That's yeah. not advisable for the whole process, but just to kick it off, certainly it's, sure. it can be a very helpful way of, of just getting a bit of comfort around the process. And also, sorry to add that also mm. with as the mediation process goes ahead, that you actually have more time to be able to understand the issues that the clients are going through. So you're really able to dig down deep into those issues that they're facing. Absolutely. Um, Anna, go on, you were going to say something. Sorry, just to pick up on um, what Joanna was saying about people perhaps feeling a bit intimidated by the prospect of mediation, which is it's, it's absolutely true, and worried about sort of really taking it, they might feel, taking it all on their own shoulders. Um, what I would say in relation to that, and what I always tell clients as well, is that there's no, you shouldn't feel pressure to make a decision on the day in mediation. You might discuss proposals, and it's absolutely right and absolutely fine to say, actually, I want a bit of time to think about that. And a mediation will support you in doing that and it's also another reason why it's it's always really a good idea to have someone in your corner to discuss that with whether that be your family lawyer or trusted advisor whoever it is but that's why it's sensible to have somebody that you can talk through all those proposals with and you can yeah. hybrid mediation as well can't you where you can actually take your lawyer along and the lawyer can be part of the process if appropriate what i'm hearing here guys which i'm finding really interesting is there's so much choice even within mediation which I think is a real positive thing. Clients can be heard, they can retain control and they can choose what the process looks like, which 
is very different to the court process, which we, you know, we're told what that looks like. Whereas this gives us more options, which I think is really positive. So I'm going to round up a little bit here now. Joanna, when you're in mediation, I mean, I think there are two aspects to prepare, preparation, emotional and practical. Mm -hmm. What are the one or two things that you would really advise people that they should really focus on or think about before taking that leap of faith and jumping into mediation? I think Anna already sort of rounded up in what she was saying that the key factors that, that are, uh, absolutely my advice would be focused on, which is be honest listen and be open. And so to be honest, I think um, you you do need to have effectively that conversation with yourself before you go in. Really think about why it is that you have a strong attachment to whatever it might be that you have a strong attachment to. What, what, if you're very fixated on a particular outcome, think about it. Think about how it might affect the other person. Um, so just really go through in your own mind and write it down is is a very helpful way so be honest about what your needs are what what the bottom line is for you and your your children and um how the relate how important the relationship is uh between not just you and your ex-partner and the children but wider family just all of those things just be very very honest about what are the key the key areas that that need to be considered and addressed Listening is absolutely vital. We all want to be listened to. And in order to be heard, it yes. helps if we hear the other person too, because otherwise you end up in that oppositional dynamic where all you're doing is waiting to speak. So um, when you properly feel heard and understood, that's when it's it's easier to to relax and then um, to listen to the other person. So it, it, it really benefits both when, no, when that's, that's happening in the room and it gives the empathy. And, and then that thing about being open, just, you know, you, you'll go in, you'll have your view of how things should be, but just always remember, be curious. We don't always have the monopoly on what the best idea is so often, you know, the other person will have it, even though, you know, some, something you might not have thought about. So just just be open. And, and as Anna said, going through as many proposals as you need to for a good outcome is great because it doesn't mean just because one proposal is on the table and you're discussing it that you're going to get stuck with it. It may be that it boils down to two or three proposals or there may be more, but just go through everything so that you really do feel at the end of it, we've looked at everything, we've considered it, we've worked, we've tried to understand how this is going to work in the real world. And in the end, we're happy and this is going to be a sustainable outcome. Yeah, you've got to give it your best shot, haven't you? If you go mm -hmm. with an open mind and actually prepare yourself, like you say, write things down, there's more chance of it being successful if you go in with the right mindset and the right tools, if you like. Anna, coming to you then, you know, from a, from a lawyer's point of view, say there's somebody who comes to you and you think this case, we could re you could really mediate this case, but the client doesn't want to do that for whatever reason. How do you encourage them? I was going to say persuade, but I mean, it's a client's choice. But how do you encourage them if you can really say, oh, this could really, really work in mediation? What do you do then? Well, I think really the starting point is just talking them through the benefits and the benefits often that jump out to clients, um, which which are absolutely right, is that generally it's it's a less stressful experience because you're not in, engaged in that court process, which can be incredibly stressful. Um, and part of the contributing to that is that it tends to be a quicker process. You know, it can be it can get up some pace 
once you get started. Um, you can have meetings quite quickly and you can build on things that were discussed, you know, within a relatively short period. And, and that speed can also mean it's, it's a far, far more cost effective way of dealing with things than whether it's through the court process or, you know, protracted correspondence or whatever. And I think when you sit down with a client and explain those benefits, they hear that and they understand and they think, well, actually, this really is something to consider. It's, 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 it could be a really good option for me. Thank you. That's really helpful. Anna. And Vanna, finally coming to you, what kind of top tips would you give your clients when they're thinking about mediation or going into mediation? What, how would you say to them, this is what you need to do? This is how you're going to get the best out of this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, Joe and Anna have already touched on the being open-minded make a list of your assets, get that done on paper so that you know exactly what you're going to be talking about and really just being as open and as honest as possible. I think they are the key fundamentals to it. Thank you. There, that's great. I think I think you've all given us and the listeners a lot of food for thought there. And I think what's come out of it is everybody should think about it as an option. It would be good if that 14% of people do or consider mediation could increase. And I know that we at Owen Mitchell are very keen to look at alternative ways to resolve your dispute. So I think I think keeping the conversation going, I mean, the conversations that we're having with our contacts and our clients is about mediation, is about a different way forward. So I think that's really important. I think that's been really helpful. So thank you all for joining me today to discuss this very interesting and very important topic. That's it for today. Thank you you for listening. Thank you. Thank you you so much. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening to this Erwin Mitchell podcast. And if you found it interesting, then do join us for our next episode. Goodbye for now.